to Three Idiots and a Lawyer, a brand new podcast here by four uh, close friends who all attended Syracuse University. I'm Matt Pfeiffer, along with Joe Shell, Kevin O'Keefe, and Brett Fortnum. Uh, this is a podcast we talked about doing for a long time. Uh, we're all big sports fans, and uh, like I said, we got to know each other all at Syracuse and uh, have stayed close friends. And uh, as we were doing our conversations about Syracuse sports uh, a while back, the idea came together of, of having a little podcast and having some fun. Three of us are idiots and one of us is a lawyer. Which one is the lawyer? Which one, three are the idiots? That's up to you to find out. But uh, we hope that you really enjoy this. It uh, should be a lot of fun. We're going to talk a lot about Syracuse sports. Anything else that may come up, too, that we feel is worth talking about. So, hey, guys, how are you doing? As well as you can in quarantine. Doing okay, Matt. Yeah, well, yeah, quarantine's quarantine's a little tough and uh, obviously a a tough time. We hope everybody's staying safe out there. But uh, hopefully we can add a a little bit of joy to your your day. And and so there's a, a conversation that we were having that we really decided it was time to do uh, a podcast like this about Syracuse. We were talking about who's the, the best Syracuse quarterback of all time. There's a lot of really good ones. I mean, you think about there's Nab, there's McPherson, there's Nassib. A lot of people recently might talk about Dungy. You go further back, you know, there's various other people, Marvin Graves. So we all kind of have different opinions on this. Uh, some of us stronger than others. Now, I know Kevin's a big Donovan McNabb guy. You got that right, Matt. Um, you're 100% correct. There are a lot of good quarterbacks in our history. There's only one greatest. And I, I don't think there's anyone that even, you know, can claim that uh, that award for themselves. And that's Donovan McNabb is, is the one. Um I would like to quote directly from orangehoops.org. Um, Donna McNabb played two seasons for the Syracuse basketball team as a reserve guard. More significantly, he was the best quarterback in Syracuse football history. Now, the reason I use a basketball <laughs> website is just to show you how offhand it is that they say he was the best quarterback in Syracuse history. It's, it's almost as if it's, a consensus that is just not even worth going into in depth. But for the purposes of for for the for the for the purposes of the podcast, though, I mean, I think that's the end of the argument. But for the sake of discussion, I'll start off by mentioning that that since the biggest player of the decade, Donovan McNabb, accounted for ninety six total touchdowns during his career. Or offensive player of the decade. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Big East offensive player of the decade. 96 total touchdowns. Although, I don't know if, if – I mean, he played basketball. Maybe the guy could have played defense as well. Um, I think I, I think actually – they might have put him at corner for a, a couple of games, if I'm not mistaken. But, but regardless, uh, the goal of offensive football is to put the ball in the end zone, right? So wouldn't your best quarterback be the one who has put the ball in the end zone the most number of times, the most efficiently – and, I mean, we're talking about the unanimous pick for the 1995 Big East Rookie of the Year, ranking third nationally in passing efficiency, not to mention being named MVP of the world-famous Gator Bowl that season, posting 309 yards passing, three touchdowns along the way to a 41-0 to blowout 
against none other than Clemson. Now, I know how big of a deal the Gator Bowl is to me. I'm sure you guys are, are kind of in the same camp. Um, you know, but that was 1995. Due to time constraints, I won't even get into uh, many of the other finer details about about what happened along the way to McNabb finishing his Syracuse career with four straight bowl game berths and finishes in the AP's top 25. Over 8,000 passing yards, 77 touchdowns, 1,500 rushing yards, and another 19 touchdowns on the ground, being named Offensive Player of the Year for three straight seasons, capping it off with a conference championship, Orange Bowl berth in 1998, finishing fifth in Heisman Trophy, voting and it was universally accepted at the time that uh, he would have won the Heisman if it weren't for a weird combination of Ricky Williams and Tim Couch wasting all of our times. But if then- you look at how much value this guy added to the Syracuse football roster during his four years as starting quarterback, there's no question that he is the best the university has ever produced bar none. He also beat Georgetown uh, basketball in 1997, which just adds to the argument. I think McNabb gets an unfair spin in this conversation because he had the most successful NFL career of a Syracuse quarterback, obviously. Um, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about who was the best college quarterback at Syracuse. And so I love McNabb. His career was amazing. His four year career may be the most impressive player to come out of Syracuse. But for me, it comes down to, who was the best at their best? And to me, that's Don McPherson in 1987, who did not lose a game. Should have won the Heisman. Probably should have won the national championship. If it weren't for Pat Flip and Die going for the tie and kicking the extra point, you know, Syracuse pulls that game out, wins that Sugar Bowl. I think the Sugar Bowl is a little more prestigious than the Gator Bowl. Sorry, Kevin. Um, nope. Huge, huge Gator Bowl guy. Um, if that, you know, if we hang on, we're one point away from Syracuse having its second national championship, having its second Heisman Trophy winner. Uh, screw you, Tim Brown. You did not deserve that Heisman Trophy. I think we all know that. Don McPherson led the, led the NCAA in yards per attempt that year, a mark that Donovan was never able to reach. He averaged over 10 yards per attempt on his passes. He was attacking downfield. He was the most efficient passer in school history as far as passer efficiency goes. Um, he had a passer rating of 164, which is, the, I believe, tops the school has ever seen. He came up big when it mattered most. Um, I think if it weren't for that you know, second high point in school history of 1987, we may not see those successful years in the late 90s. Um, so I think... Uh, there were you know, successful years in the early 90s, too. But, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I mean, I think McPherson was, McPherson was, was, was solid. I mean, the, the, the 87 season was, was incredible. And you think about like the, some of the big wins that they had over, I mean, beating, blowing out the defending national champs too, and things like that. And I think Joe has a point that um, it, it matters, with, especially with McPherson, about the impact you've had on your program. I mean, McNabb joined a program that was already, um, at, at that point, pretty elite. Um, and McPherson's one of the reasons it got there. But un- I, I hate to do this, but I, I have to acknowledge the Gerg years and what happened to the Syracuse football program after um, Greg Robinson. Because I think that Ryan Nassar... 
Boo. <laughs> I think that Ryan Nassib does not get enough credit for what he did for this program. In Does that count as Gerg years? I mean, he recruited him, but he never played for him. Well, yeah, but I mean, let's just let's just pretend it's Doug Marone. Continue. <laughs> then I gotta go piss on Doug Marone's tuna salad sandwich or something because I'm still a little bit bitter. It was baloney. Uh, it was baloney. It 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 is baloney, but that's only because it's a family. <laughs> um, but I think NASA um really pulled the program out of obscurity. I mean. Paulus was there his freshman year, basically as a caretaker, because he didn't want to throw in a rookie uh, quarterback to go through those growing pains in Marone's rookie year. Um, Isn't and then Paulus that, the most most efficient passer in school history, percentage-wise? Yes, and, and you guys remember that it was it was Dink and Dunk and Matt's favorite screen pass over and over and over again. Oh, hated that freaking thing. The George McDonald yeah, I mean, screen it, 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 where it, it, no one blocks. It's easy to be the most efficient passer when you don't throw the ball downfield. The bubble screen. That, that's what Nassib did, though. He came in, he threw the ball down the field. He made it to two bowl games in his three years. Granted, they weren't the um, Gasparilla Gator Bowl um, or, the, um, or, or, or the Orange Bowl or anything, but he, he made us relevant again. And even though we didn't exactly rise to a consistent level, all of a sudden we could get some players to think about Syracuse without going, did they win one or two games this year? Um, and I, I, I think NASA really needs to be a part of this conversation. And he holds plenty of school records, um, you know, passing attempts, passing yards, and such, but you have to take those with a grain of salt, obviously, because of just the game now is way more pass heavy. But I think he might have the, might have had the biggest effect on the program out of anyone that we're talking about. It's personal for us, too, because I don't think any one of us came into school expecting to be treated to any watchable football. And thanks to NASA, we really did get some really solid football for, for a number of years. Yeah, I'll, never, I'll never forget the, uh, the first game that I was in the Dome for was uh, in 2000 – or the first game as a student, rather. Oh, as, gosh. Uh, the first game I was there for as a student was in 2009 – um, and that was, was so against good. Minnesota. It was and that, that the was first packed. play from the first play from scrimmage is where they 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 uh, snapped it over his head uh, for for a, a touchdown for Minnesota down seven zip. No, it was the first four. two plays from scrimmage they snapped it over his head. But the second one he got his hand on, I think he he kept possession. Yeah. Either way, it was all uphill from there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the thing about Greg Paulus, I mean, I'll give I'll give Greg Paulus the credit here that uh, considering he hadn't played organized football in four years, he did a pretty darn good job considering it wasn't like he had a lot to work with at the time. So, I mean, uh, yeah, he had his moments in the sun. They had that Rutgers game when Rutgers was a top 25 team. That was kind of their their coming out party there at the end of the year there in 2009. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, 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 you know, there's, there's so many good quarterbacks in the history. I mean, we didn't really talk about Marvin Graves at all. You got to at least have the conversation about him. He had 8,400 yards uh, passing in his time 
another 289 yards on the ground, but 17 rushing touchdowns. Um, and, and here's the thing, and this is kind of where we get into how much is success matter versus other things. You know, well, Graves is quarterback. The program was 33-12-3, and and they won three bowl games. And that included a, a 28 nothing win over Arizona, a 24-17 win over Ohio State in the Hall of Fame Bowl, we now know as the Outback Bowl. And they won the Fiesta, 26-22 over but Kansas how many State. Gator bowls, Matt? How many Gator Bowls? Uh, How many Gator Bowls were they the in Florida? Clemson? Right. And, and, and other notable game, though, for Graves was that's when they beat number five, Florida. And Florida hasn't gone north of the Mason-Dixon line since that game in 1991. Here comes Graves on the option. Pitches to Walker. To the five. Walker, touchdown. You know, Matt, I think you're onto something. I think results are what matter. I think... <laughs> Winning is what is the most important. You play to win the game. Only two quarterbacks in Syracuse history have played a full season and not lost a game. Don McPherson and Dave Soretti, who led the 1959 team to the national championship, are one and only. Now, the difference is Dave Soretti completed 49 passes that year. So right. I'm going to take Don McPherson. But an interesting nugget that I learned while uncovering that interesting tidbit is that Ernie Davis didn't lead that team in rushing, which blew my mind. He did not – or in rushing attempts. Art Baker had 100 carries to Ernie Davis' 98. I don't know who the hell Art Baker is, but I know Ernie Davis gained about 180 more yards than him and two fewer carries. That's yeah. I mean, it's kind of funny how those little things come through when you really look at stats and uh, it's like, what was it the other night I was watching? There was the replay of the 2006 Rose bowl and you know, everybody talked about Reggie Bush, but then it was uh, the other running back at USC and everybody forgot how good he was. (laughs) Oh, um, white, right? Lendale white, Lendale white. Lindell White. Yeah. He was so good in that uh, championship against Texas. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm forever yeah. going to remember Pete Carroll handing that game to Texas on a silver platter with the dumbest timeout call that has ever happened. Yeah. Well, I mean, this side of the Use the phrase dumbest timeout call that's ever happened. I feel well, like I've heard you say that during a Syracuse game watch. What was the timeout in the NBA where uh, there were no timeouts? Who was that? No, no, that was uh, the NCAA. That was, that was Michigan. Five That's why yeah. Michigan. Oh, that was Michigan? That was, that was like sorry, the, the Michigan? Tab four. Um, it's why Michigan yeah. never won yeah. a national title. Mm. Yeah. Well, just to get back on the Syracuse thing real quick, too, is is I know there's some people might listen and say, well, where would you put Eric Dungy on one of these lists? Obviously, tough thing about Eric Dungy is, you know, he only played one full season. Um he does have more passing yards than even Ryan Nassib has. 9,340 yards, 58 touchdowns in the air, ran for another 35 touchdowns and ran for almost 2,000 yards on the ground. Yeah, I mean, that's, all, that's Dino's offense. Time. I think Dino's offense kind of pads his stats there. We all watch those games. We all love Eric Dungy. Eric Dungy might be my favorite Syracuse football player I've watched in person. We know he wasn't the strongest passer. Well, no, I think if you take passes, him, though, he had some deep balls every once in a while. Like I specifically remember that North Carolina State game in 2018, and he 
he really hauled off on a few of those. Dungey claps his hands, takes the snap against the four-man rush, looking left with time. Now throwing deep down the middle. Nikeem Johnson beat his man. Made the catch of the 40 at the 30. Angle left 20. He's gone. That one's in from 82. I, I think Dungey's solidly fifth because I, I actually don't think there have been that many good quarterbacks that have gone through Syracuse. I mean, um, I know Kevin has some thoughts on Troy Noons, and I, I remember R.J. Anderson. And Noons is an absolute magician. Oh, yeah. Those are the days. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, with Dungey, I would put him at five. I'd put him higher if he ever learned how to slide. But the guy could not protect himself, so he couldn't stay on the field. And, I mean, going back to my point, adding value is my most important point for deciding who the best player in history is. And this is the quarterback position. Staying healthy is one of those things that factors into it. And Dungy was just never able to stay healthy. Because he took so many unnecessary hits and unforced errors. And and, and when it comes the funny thing there is the only reason we got Eric Dungy freshman year is because Terrell Hunt broke his leg. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Matt and I were watching that game together in uh, – Matt, what was that bar in D.C.? Oh, um, yeah, but... it, no, I, yeah, it was Vettner. with you guys. Yeah. That was in Yeah, I remember that. That was sad. But it was also like the best thing that possibly could have happened to our program. I mean, I, I, I don't know about that. I think Terrell Hunt was good. I mean, he won the Texas Bowl. Smith beside Hunt. Hunt going to take off. Touchdown, Syracuse! Um, like he kept Terrell Hunt was a great athlete. He was a yeah, big dude. I remember walking past the Texas him. Bowl was not an entertaining game to watch. <laughs> and that was that was a. That was a Scott Schaefer team, if I remember right. It was, I it think, was. Scott a Schaefer team, but it was a team that Scott Schaefer inherited from Doug Marone entirely. That was still yeah. Doug Marone's roster. I will say this, though. I mean, there were some gutsy calls in that Texas Bowl that made that happen. I mean, you think about was the fake. There was the fake field goal in there that ended up being a huge. <laughs> ended up making a relatively big difference. Because I'm pretty sure we got a touchdown on that drive. That help decide, you know, whether you win or, or it would have been a, a loss. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, I, you got to, like, also bring up, too, I mean, with um, – because we do talk about results. And I know that, uh, you know, like Joe's saying about Don McPherson, the 11-0-1 year. But when you look at the other years, they're not nearly as good. And, you know, it's – his his other years there was six and five, seven and five, five and six. Yeah, his overall not that he was the starter in all those, but certainly not as impressive of a career overall as McNabb's. But I think it's a well, pretty yeah. nuanced discussion. Are you t- are you taking a guy in his prime? Are you taking someone's overall career? I think there's different ways to go about well, it. When yeah, you talking about you, pick one quarterback to win a game for you. In college, I'm taking Don McPherson. I'm taking him. I'm, at his I'm best. taking McNabb. But, but you're talking you talk about wins, right? Just take the guy who's won the most games as the lead, the, the starting quarterback for the for the university. I mean, it's it's, it's got to be McNabb. He lost uh, four games. He lost four games as a senior on a team that had Rob Conrad, James Mungro, and Kevin Johnson. But in say in that same season, and you were talking about big moments. 
you know, the biggest moment of all. And I am a little biased because I was actually at that game against Virginia Tech where McNabb puked up all over the sideline and then immediately threw the game-winning touchdown with 20 seconds left uh, to beat Virginia Tech. The last play of the game. McNabb throwing the other way for the tight end, couple of things about that game that I'm now scratching my head because I, yeah, I was you know, five or six years old when that game happened. And it's one of, one of my first memories, you know, vividly that I have of football. And I remember that game being McNabb versus Michael Vick and being, you know, this big showdown of sorts with Heisman candidates. But that's one of those Mandela effect things because that's not true. Uh, I think – uh, Michael Vick might actually have been at that game, and that's why everyone was talking about him. But I think he was on our sideline being recruited because he didn't start uh, at Virginia Tech until the next year, 1999. I, I, just yeah. for everybody, I think Joe's the one who said what the Mandela effect is. Didn't you say it's something like people thought – people remembered when Nelson Mandela died even though he was still alive or something like that? Yeah, that's how it's called that. Essentially, the Mandela effect is a collective incorrect memory. It's a collective false okay. memory. But but here here's okay. the other thing about that game, Kevin. That game moved Syracuse to six and three. So I mean, how big of I mean, obviously it, it's probably the biggest Syracuse football game in our lifetime. But in the grand scheme of things, how big was it? It's not like, but by that time, the national it's not title the biggest game in our lifetime. All out of the picture. You cannot win a national title with three losses. Brett, that is the smartest thing I've ever heard you say. It is funny <laughs> that you mention that because in the magical 1987 season, the final regular season game, we were up against West Virginia. And we were trailing late in that game. Don McPherson led a late drive downfield to uh, tie the game up with only 10 seconds left. Um, he actually scored a touchdown with 10 seconds left. And I, I believe needed the two point conversion to take the lead is what happened. And he I think they were know, trailing by one. Isn't that the days you could tie? Yeah, yeah, that's right. So we're trailing by one. Someone um, should ask McNabb about ties, by the way. Oh no, he won't know the right answer. Oh man, so this has quickly turned into a Donovan grilling session. I don't like this at all. <laughs> you can go back and watch the highlights from that game against West Virginia in 87, the the McPherson two-point conversion. They put the ball in his hands. He rolls out for the option play, takes the hit while pitching it at the last second. A game-winning two-point conversion to Michael Owens, uh, whose brother Billy had just committed to play for Jim Beheim earlier that week. Michael Owens is the tailback for Syracuse. Donnie McPherson looks to put it in. You bring up an interesting topic, um, and, and it's a name we haven't mentioned yet. Um, the person who is probably the most successful um, offensive runner we've ever seen um, at, at Syracuse and did lead them to a national championship, it's Jerry McNamara. I mean, he quarterbacked that offense um, in, in 2003, and I don't know that a Syracuse sports discussion can happen unless someone says that Jerry McNamara 
is the greatest because all right that's all the time we have today no. folks and yeah. brett is taking us off course i guess uh, i guess this means that uh brett is this is it fair to say that mcnamara is your mcnab um like i mean Mc, no, McNabb is McNamara is, actually has an actual championship oh okay wow so you're gonna wow well, in a Syracuse football discussion, uh, just like uh, everybody's saying, you got to mention, uh, like Brett's saying, you got to mention Jerry McNamara. Uh, it is required for any Syracuse fan to re- just repeat ad nauseum. And I know, I know Joe's already said it, but that Don McPherson got robbed of the Heisman Trophy. Robbed. <laughs> robbed, robbed, robbed. Tim Brown shouldn't have gotten it. It was Don McPherson was the best player in the country that year. He was the difference. I think, see, to me, that's the Heisman. The Heisman is about, did you, are you the difference between your team being meh or, you know, so-so and your team being good? And Don McPherson was undoubtedly that difference for Syracuse in 1987. He deserved the Heisman Trophy. He was the runner-up. And look, he won every other award. He was Davy O'Brien, Johnny U. Golden Arm, Maxwell, Sammy Baugh Trophy. And then the one that everybody remembers for most, and you know, he gets the runner-up. You know, with how many how many touch how many touchdowns did Tim Brown have? Like Joe, four. I know Joe. Four. And he what three? Three kickoff return. But guys, four touchdowns and three return yeah. touchdowns. But Notre Dame guy, but he, that doesn't make him the best college football player that year. It does if you can pull the yeah. leprechaun out of your ass? It's automatic. Well, maybe this is a good opportunity to put 30 seconds on the clock and ask Matt what he feels about Notre Dame. I'm not a fan of Notre Dame. I look, I grew up in a look, I grew up in a household that was a Penn State household, so I was taught to not like Notre Dame. Uh, look, I mean, Rudy. it's a good Rudy. school. Uh, it, it's a good school, but and I'll give it props on it. There's a lot of history, but they get a lot of favoritism based on their history. And everybody talks about, all oh, how great Notre Dame is. So many times they're put higher in the rankings than they should be in preseason just because of the glory of old Notre Dame. And, and it's just, it, it's, you know, so it just drives me nuts. Yeah, and, and things like that happen. And fine. Yeah, okay, well... <laughs> So yeah. what do you want? Do you want the guy who led an amazing late touchdown drive to go on the way to an eight and four season that didn't really mean much? And or do you want the guy who on the last game of the regular season had the game winning play and the game winning drive to seal an undefeated regular season and actually put his team in contention for a national championship? I mean, that's fair. Um, but I, I think that on the other side of the coin, you're looking at McNabb sort of being at that high level for four straight seasons, game in and game out. You know, he, he didn't have a ton of injury concerns. He was a smart player. Arguably, he had a significant impact in changing football as we know it because name a quarterback that played the position like he did before he did. I mean, he kind of invented the, you know, the, the, the mobile quarterback who can keep his eyes downfield but is able to go the distance if necessary and has the athleticism to do that and make plays, turn something at you know, turn nothing into something, 
all of that stuff. He, he kind of, you know, at least in the Syracuse world, definitely changed the game bar none. But I mean, name, name a quarterback before McNabb that was doing that. How about Randall Cunningham? Randall Cunningham was good. Yeah, he hasn't. We haven't brought him up yet. Um, but well, I, that's, I don't that's, think that Randall Cunningham played. Not a Syracuse conversation. That I mean, that that's an Eagles conversation. But well, yeah, we can we can pivot to the Eagles if you want to. I mean, we we could. I mean, hey, I'll be okay. Who is an Eagles fan? Forgetting Randall transparency. Yeah, me and me and Matt are both Eagles fans. Never be allowed to enter Lincoln Financial Field again. Well, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll have this still conversation. Wear that jersey to this day, Randall Cunningham. <laughs> Great quarterback, but you know, obviously McNabb was the you know most successful and electric player that that I've ever seen on, on the Philadelphia Eagles, um, as well right. as Syracuse. But, but I mean, just I, I I just brought up Cunningham because it, it, he was another mobile quarterback before McNabb. McNabb did not invent mobility. Um, invent, that's not what I'm I, saying. I, I, but McNabb might have had the you know some of the. Most pro, probably the most prolific four-year career, but I think McPherson brought the program up to its highest point ever. Um, and I guess second, that that's where the conversation level is tough. Do, do do you want the quarterback that brought you up to the highest point, or do you want a quarterback who's consistently very good? I mean, McNabb could never. I, take... I mean, I take either right now. Let's be honest. I'm a bigger fan of Tommy than you are. Obviously, we all know that. I think I think Tommy's gonna continue to develop. All he needs is some blocking up front, and I think Tommy's gonna be pretty good. I have confidence in Tommy DeVito. I really do. I I I, I don't think, think there's any reason to have confidence in Tommy DeVito. I, I hope he turns out very good. I think we need to make sure offensive coordinator and some of the adjustments that are are gonna be made. I think Tommy DeVito is gonna be just fine. Yeah, I, I think, think he played. I think he played injured a lot last year, and he really was wasn't put in a position to succeed. So whether you blame that on him or the coaching staff or just the situation in general, I just think it was a bad situation for him last year. I also go back to this. I also go back to the uh, you know, and I talk about this. I've talked about this with people. Is being a starter and being a backup are completely different things. And, you know, when you are the guy, which he was this past year, it's just different. And it, it takes time to get used to that. You can see plenty of examples of that um, at various sports teams, and college football teams, pro football teams and whatnot through history. But, hey, we're going to have to wrap up this conversation. Um, I would tend to say, you know, if I, if I was going to take somebody, if you can take 1987 Don McPherson – that's probably my first choice and just because he did have those moments where he really came up in that great moment. But Donovan McNabb, it's, I mean, it, you can't really go wrong with either of them. Uh, they're both unbelievably talented guys. It's but, one A and uh, one B. One A and one yeah. B. It's really hard to decide on the order. It really is. And the other guys that we all mentioned too here – we're all really also good quarterbacks as well, um, who, who you know deserve a lot of credit. Ryan Nassib, Marvin Graves, Eric Dungy, Dave Surratt. Hey, you know, in his era, he did a really good job. So, well, let's uh, be honest. The only reason this conversation is happening is because Jim Brown didn't play quarterback. Greatest player <laughs> ever. And, when, and, and hopefully five years from now, we come back and have a conversation about how Tommy DeVito was the greatest of all time. Sorry, Brett. 
There's hey, time for I that to happen. I would to have that conversation. I would also be shocked as all get out if it happened. My favorite. Hey, 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 hey. Don't, 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 don't sleep on Tommy. And, my favorite and Jim Brown's. Some... My favorite Jim Brown statistic of all time is that he led the country in being in the movie Mars Attack. Is <laughs> <laughs> he the only one who will actually admit to being in that movie? <laughs> it's a great movie, and he's great in it. He just kind of, he's just kind of melting as the years go on. You see him at, at games. Yeah, he's yeah probably all the, uh, the nuclear waste they use in the filming of Mars Attack. Well, look, look at go. who he has to cheer for, the Cleveland Browns and Syracuse. Yeah, yeah that doesn't help anybody. Yeah, uh, so, so before we go, we have to do this quick segment that we had talked about doing, and it is what is making Brett angry this week? All right, well, All right. Let, let me hear your guesses. Uh, well, um, I, I think I'm going to just go – I'm going to go with China. China. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. that, that, that's very broad. Um, anyone right. else? Right. Uh, back, I'm going to go back. with uh, reading about the possibility of the Indians trading Mike Clevenger. I haven't read that. Uh, let me see here. Uh, uh, I think Brett is angry about the fact that uh, Major League Baseball is talking about like starting the season with all the teams in one place in Arizona and all this and that. Okay, so a couple thoughts, and then you guys can kind of probably ascertain as to what is actually bugging me this week. Um, there is no reason that – I mean, obviously Major League Baseball needs a contingency plan to start this season. I don't think we're anywhere close to that. Um, anything about baseball right now makes me sad. I'm an Indians fan, so sadness is just kind of part of my being. Um, and the idea of training – like, I've I've been avoiding baseball journalism because of that, because it's not – like, there is no baseball. The only thing I'm reading is Joe Posnanski's, um Top 100, which is a rant for another time. So I didn't know that the Indians were thinking about trading Mike Clevenger, except for the, the chatter in the uh, earlier in the offseason. Um, but you you guys are close. I'm ignoring Kevin's China because I'm not going to get too much into work um, right now. But I learned. He works on trade issues, just so I people know. Had not seen Major League. She hadn't seen Major League. I mean, she claims to be a baseball fan. She tells me that she has been able to keep books since 12, and you haven't seen Major League, and you married That's fair. Team. That's fair. You skip what Major League 1. You skip Major League 2. rectified this. Major League 2 actually isn't that terrible. Omar Epps did an all right job replacing Wesley Snipes. Um, I thought the uh, the dorky catcher was hilarious, and you know it, it wasn't awful. And I'm glad they only made two Major League movies. That's what I have to say no, about that. No, you got to jump right to Major League 3, back to the minors. It won an Oscar. I'm sorry. I'm not, ever I'm made. I quit. I quit. I quit. And with that, it's time to end our first episode. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Three Idiots and a Lawyer. I'm Matt Pfeiffer along with Brett Fortnum, Joe Shell, Kevin O'Keefe. We hope you enjoyed this, and we'll join us again next time. Yeah.